Hello, and welcome to another episode of All Fighters Follow Me. I'm Bob Ted. And I'm Senator Faith. So today we're coming in with some Hollywood news. Fantasy Fight Fight Games released an article on, or two articles today, one Republic of Enforcement announcing the Wave 10 Venator, or giving proper previews for the Wave 10 mm. Venator and Pelta um, ships. As well as the two new Separatist ships, the Recusant and the Providence class. So it looks like the Republic is getting, like they got the Venator class Star Destroyer and then the Pelta class Frigate. With that, the cards previewed are Luminar Unduli as a commander. Uh, she was previously a Starfighter squadron. We also get Barris Offie as an officer and Admiral um, Tarkin. Oh, Tarkin. Bah. Which is like Thrawn, <laughs> but not blue and angrier. They both start with T and they're both mean. Right. And then the Providence comes with. Uh, General Grievous, who was also a fight a uh, fighter in mm-hmm. the previous wave, and Shumai. I don't recall Shumai. Probably some like background character in one of the movies. Oh, Shumai is in uh, Attack of the Clones. She's at the table with the other Separatists talking to Dooku. That would make sense to me. We so we got um, our our picks. We've only got some arc lines so far and. I can't personally make out the shields. It looks like the Venator has um, four front shields. And then its armament is, from the front arc, two red, two blue, two black, which is a nice balanced out rainbow gun. Um, and it is, pretty solid. it is front arc heavy like all Star Destroyer classes, except for like the Gladiator, which cheats. True, but it's not as heavy as... Yeah. It's definitely got... It's, it's more like a, a Victory Star Destroyer range with six dice. Mm-hmm. And then it's got two red, two blue of the sides, and red, blue, black in the rear. So pretty flexible armament. I wouldn't expect it to be anywhere near the price range of an Imperial-class Star Destroyer with those guns. Mm. But it's also an older and weaker and less cool ship. So... Seeing it with that low of a dice pool, I'm wondering if it'll come with a little bit more... Like kind of supporty kind of things, maybe yeah. squadron pushing or... or or again, it might just be cheaper. It might be more in the range of like an MC seventy five or a Liberty. That's true. Uh, then the Pelta, and this is the Pelta frigate, not the modified Pelta, so it's a completely different ship. Has two red and a black out the front, one red, one black out the sides, double red out the rear. Um, Seems like a solid small ship. It says Tarkin comes with the Pelta. And it says Luminara comes with, oh, um, Venator says two new commanders, Luminara Unduli, while defending a ship, well, a friendly ship or unique squadron is defending after the spend defense token step. If it spent fewer than two defense tokens, may either ready one of its defense tokens it did not spend or choose another friendly ship distance one to five and ready one of that ship's defense token. This seems like a pretty cool ability to me, kind of doing some token shuffling and token refreshing. Yeah, um, it makes, and it it very much fits her kind of like healer Mm. and defensive effect in in her squadron as well. She's 25 points, so pretty middle of the range for a commander. Yeah. 
decent price. Um, let's see. It really there? adds some life to the ships. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. And then Tarkin uh, starts with six command tokens. At the start of each ship phase, you may discard one command token from this card. If you do, either you gain one matching command dial, or each friendly ship gains one matching command token. So he's like a bizarro Piet slash Imperial Tarkin. Yeah. Because you can either do an Imperial Tarkin style, everyone gets this token, or he can do a Piet style, I get an extra command dial on my command ship. And he's 30 points. Um, that's actually really, I actually think that's a really interesting ability. I do too, and it, I like that it's like his ability in the Imperial. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of another version of that. And a little more, like a little more limited because you have to choose what six um, commands at the beginning of the game. But let's oh, be man. honest, yeah, like, you, can, <laughs> you can be pretty flexible with that still. Um, let's see, it looks like the Pelta still has three front shields, two side shields, uh, one black anti-squad, five hull. Maybe it's one blue anti-squad, that's all I can tell from here. Venator, I think blue, black, black, I can't tell super yeah. well. And like three side shields, five front maybe, or is that four? Um, it, and they, they actually, when they posted this article, they did some tricksy image embedding that you can't zoom in on it. Oh, I forgot about Beresafi. That's the other one that we did. Oh, yeah. Let's take a look. Um, or do we just see her card? I think card? we just see part of her card, well, and we don't defending... actually have a description. Um... I think we can kind of make it out while defending after the blank. There's the defense token. I spend one redirect token. Or declares the defending hull. Choose a different hull than defending hulls after the attack. So it sounds like it does some essentially damage shuffling around mm -hmm. the shields. Yeah, it's like a super redirect ability where you're actually getting shot on a different shield side. Um, which is pretty interesting. I, th I, I know I saw her floating around somewhere. For some reason I can't just find her. Whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Alright, and then there's the new separatist ships first we've got the invisible hand mm -hmm. which is the providence class dreadnought oh i'm really excited about this ship because it looks sweet one one thing i kind of was thinking while looking through this article was i really like how the separatist fleet it really doesn't look like any of the other fleets yeah it's very individual mm -hmm. i mean you could kind of maybe see similarities the shape of it and its arcs are very alamic 80 or like 75 mm -hmm. but it's you know got... just the way the the hull is kind of segmented yeah it's got some like insectoid slash avian features to it's a lot like the munificent did mm -hmm. it's really cool but for the front arc of this ship, we've got two red, one blue, two black, side arcs, three red, one blue, two black, and then red, blue, back, uh, black, out the back. Mm -hmm. Can't really see what the shields are or yeah. what the squad and the squadron Let's, is. Let me see if I can zoom in. But like the McAdie, it's definitely got the wide side arcs 
but it looks like this one is going to want to get up close with all those black dice. Yeah, it seems pretty flexible. It is definitely more side arc oriented, but its front arc is still pretty intimidating. Mm -hmm. That's still a pretty good front arc. And then the Recusant, which, and these are both large ships. It says at the beginning of the article, two new large ships. Oh yeah, that was one thing I did find kind of interesting that the Republic got a large ship and a small ship, whereas Separatists got two large ships. And they've never been always equal. I mean, even in the even in Wave One, Imperials got one large one or one medium, one small, and Rebels got one medium, two smalls, and then Wave Two was equal, Wave Three was equal, Wave Four was a large for Rebels, a medium for Imps. Wave five was, I think, small for both, and then wave six was a medium and then a small. So they they was they they don't always no, they, go hand in hand. They don't always but double large right off the bat is interesting for sure. It is very unexpected. Yeah. So next up with the recusant class, you've got some very interesting arcs. I keep staring at these. It's got a crazy wide front arc yeah the the front arc is very wide but shallow yeah and you get four red dice two black out the front mm -hmm. sides are three red one black rear is red black so yeah the it almost the shallow wide front arc which then makes these kind of narrow Super narrow side it's Rather arc narrow they're, side arcs. They're very blocky and kind of just straight out the side. Yeah. Whereas the front arc actually is pointing. Like the front arc is almost a straight line across. It's barely got any angle to it compared to the pretty deep angle we usually get. Yeah, so it kind of makes me wonder how, how flying with that is going to be an adjustment. Because mm -hmm. you're so used to the angles... Of the other ships. Yeah. It's it's really good at flying up alongside something. It's a broadsiding ship to be sure. Mm -hmm. Because when you're broadsiding, you could and you can even be at a decent distance and still get a front and side arc shot. Or a front and rear arc shot, because the rear arc is still pretty pretty deep. Or pretty shallow. Um, oh yeah. But uh ultimately you could probably get some really good double arcs. Mm -hmm with that very easily it looks like single digit hull um for both of them i can't make out mm -hmm. what it is so i'm not going to really take any guesses but yeah i get the feeling that these two ships although they are both large ships individually they might not be as hardy as the benator um yeah hard to say i think the providence might be i would i mean the recusant it says a light cruiser or a light destroyer, which, I mean, destroyers are supposed to be pretty small ships. Mm. Um, maybe it's supposed to be, like, a light star destroyer. I don't know. I mean, it's Star Wars, so the ship types are made up and the names don't matter. Um, right. <laughs> I mean, this, again, the star destroyer is its own kind of ship class. Um, now, looking at the... Visible hand? Visible hand. Mm -hmm. The title itself, while deploying fleets, if you are in the play area... When you would deploy a squadron with Swarm, you may set that squadron aside next to your ship card instead. You may set aside up to five squadrons this way. And then with a the squadron command, for each squadron, you would activate this command 
you may place one of your set-aside squadrons within distance three. It cannot move its activate this activation, and if it has AI, it's or increase its AI value by one. So this is definitely a squadron pusher title. Yeah. Also, Invisible Hand is Grievous's flagship in the mm -hmm. beginning of Revenge of the Sith. Ah. So that's the one that Obi-Wan and Anakin crash into. Um, I remembered this because people on the internet that actually pay attention to those movies told me. Proud of you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, lets you store away some squadrons and then makes them a little bit more powerful when you do deploy them. I'd be interested to see how that plays out if you wanted to do... Because Vulture Droids and Tri-Fighters are two that you can actually use with this, to my understanding. Mm -hmm. So the, that means your Vultures would be getting four dice, your Tri-Fighters would be getting five. And if, if it has a, a weapons team, which I would guess it would, mm -hmm. as like a big combat ship like that, and you took um, flight controllers, that means five dice out of Vulture Droids, which four of which could be black dice, and like with one blue. Or, or no, four dice... Oh yeah, no, because it's two extra from AI. Plus one, so you have five dice or six dice from... So it lets you just absolutely punch something if they're trying to, like, bomb you. I think this is the best as, like, an anti-bomber tech. Oh yeah. I don't know if I would... Also, it makes me wonder if it can hold up to five squadrons. Is its squadron value high enough to send them all at once, or are you going to be sending part of, part of them out? I think it'd probably be part... I mean, what's the highest squadron value you see on a... On a large ship so far, we've ship. seen four. Four? Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd imagine this would be three. Three, maybe? Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the General Grievous Commander. Yeah. When a friendly ship or squadron is destroyed, you may choose one friendly ship or unique squadron at a distance one to five of the destroyed ship or squadron. If you do, the chosen ship or unique squadron may either ready one of its defense tokens or recover one of its discarded token defense tokens, then exhaust that token. And he is 20 points. This is kind of an interesting ability to me, because I guess kind of almost paired with the invisible hand, you have, you know, you send out a million fighters, of, these fighters yeah, like... of these little cheap robots, and you and when they die, hey, you get to use their parts again. Yeah, it's very, I mean, it very much fits the theme of sacrificing the less important to save the more important. Yeah, these kind of disposable droids. Yeah, like this on a Watam warship um, would be absolutely atrociously powerful while your other ships are dying around it. And it's just like, well, and I think that's kind of the theme of the, the Separatists is you have like one ship that is your clutch, like important one that gets all the bonuses and then everything else around it kind of it doesn't just like die needlessly but you take from it to give to your big ship to to keep it there recycle going yeah um and kind of siphoning the power from other ships to your your important command and then shumai shumai she is an officer after deploying fleets you may place two non-consecutive round tokens on this card during each round matching one of those tokens while attacking a ship you may re-roll up to three dice four point officer four points 
that's a fantastic card. It's pretty cool. Um, just three, three dice reroll um, with some very minor strings attached. No other penalties other than it has to be on a certain round. Um, and it's uh, during each round while attacking a ship. You may reroll up. So it's both of your attacks. So if you have a double arc on something, you get to reroll three dice on both of those shots. Mm -hmm. And they can't be consecutive rounds. So I, I could see this very often just being like rounds three and five. Yeah, or three and five or like two and four or something like that. Two Depends on how fast you and your opponents are moving. Mm -hmm. um, like we have no idea how fast. I would expect the Recusant. The Recusant looks like it's probably a pretty fast ship. I would, I would assume that's speed three. Maybe with the ability to go faster. I think they'd probably faster. both be speed three. Maybe. Okay. I mean, the the Providence I got always got the impression of was this big, slow ship, so I kind of was wondering if maybe that's a speed two, but I could be wrong. I don't know. It was pretty fast crashing to Coruscant. I mean, that was gravity helping. <laughs> and everyone knows gravity effects make things go faster. Mm -hmm. Like in Rift Ambush. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's see. Anything else? Um, so far what we're seeing of the models, the ships look great. Again, oh, yeah. these new paint jobs. Like the Pelka looks fantastic. I love that red red uh, edging and then the yellow block on it. Mm -hmm. um, Venators look... I mean, it's a Venator. It's always been a, a cool design. It looks like Jar Jar to me. That's because of that one picture. This does not look anything like Jar Jar Binks. It's got Jar Jar's eyes. <laughs> That's why it looks like Jar Jar. Oh, okay. Misa thinking you want to play that ship? <laughs> we just ruined the Venator for everyone. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, in this picture, I can kind of see where, where the towers are a little more separate. I want to see somebody put googly eyes. On their Venator. On their Venator. Oh. Floppy ears. No floppy ears. Um, yeah, I mean, and I've always thought the Providence was a cool design. Mm -hmm. um, it's got that, like, weird beak shape. It does. It's got a beak. This one's kind of got, like, a little dinosaur bird face on it. It's got, like, the twin eye on the side. And none of you can see what I'm pointing at, but you're enjoying it. I'm <laughs> getting this picture. So you'll just have to pretend that you know what we're talking about. Um, well, you know, it's that... Kind of it, invertebrate look to it. Mm -hmm. It almost looks like a fish. Yeah. Yep. I can see that. Um, very kind of like animal fish. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. I love. Yeah. They're such gorgeous ships. It's pretty sweet. I look forward to those. One thing to know, though, is that the price point on these ships did go up. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing due to some maybe like new shipping stuff or it might just be like general inflation because we haven't gotten price increases on most of the ships over the years. Wave 8 was the first time we saw large ships that were more expensive than before. But the all of the large ships, the Recusant, the Venator, and the Providence, or the Invisible Hand expansions are all $65. Mm -hmm. And the uh, Pelta, the Rebel Pelta is 30 the Republic is 40 so we're seeing these price increases. Um, to my understanding, that has something to do with like the way that Asmodee and FFG set up that they won't change the price of an existing product. 
So they might be having to increase the prices of these to make up for inflation on their existing products as well as for these ones. True. And also with, you know, COVID and all the shipping nonsense going on and demand mm -hmm. and ability to get it through, maybe there's some new like import tax stuff that we don't know about that's behind the oh. scenes. So um, it is a little bit more of a bite to the wallet, but I can understand where it's coming from for sure. Um, anything else for HoloNet news? I think that's... No, I think that's about it. I'm like... really excited for Wave 10 and mm -hmm. looking forward to learning more. Yeah, we, we'll definitely be looking forward to... Oh, it also gives a date. Uh, April 16th. April 16th. So this coming spring. Uh, Pelta Frigate and Venator Star Destroyer on April 16th. And then it says... Yep, for both. Same for both. So yeah, so April 16th, a hard date. That means that is when we should be getting it. It's a little later than we were expecting. Um, I was kind of figuring, you know, February or maybe March. But that's just fine, too. Um, we will be getting it soon, uh, next couple months. And Armada has always been sort of a wait a few months. The fact that people were thinking, hey, we might get it in January or March when we just got wave... Um, Wave 9 in December was a huge and super quick turnaround. So I'm not super surprised that it's actually like four months apart instead of one or two. Um, a little bit bummed because, you know, new ships are always fun. But I'm also okay with it spreading out, us getting used to the Wave mm -hmm. 9, getting used to 1.5 rules like past tokens and evade changes and all that. But um, yeah, it's just kind of how that goes sometimes. And, and again, understanding with shipping... Um, Shipping is kind of blocked up right now, especially mm -hmm. from like, because all these ships are produced in China. They have to go through, they have to go through all extra customs and cleaning and mm -hmm. sanitation and all that stuff before they get sent around to stores. Yeah. So. Well, I'm sure it'll be worth the wait here. Mm -hmm. And then, in other news, I have been, um, I have an aftermath. I have been playing in the Vassal World Cup for the first time. I was, I was kind of iffy about joining, um, just due to like my my kind of slowness of play in Vassal, but I think I've gotten a little more used to it. And I was like, you know what? Uh, throw me in if you have some space. So I got, ended up in Pod Sloan. And how, if you're not familiar, how the Vassal World Cup works? First off, it's played on Vassal, which is uh, a kind of tabletop simulator for Armada. Not to be confused with, with tabletop <laughs> simulator tabletop and simulator. the Armada um, module for it, but it's a yeah, it's an online simulation that. It can ha that has a mod module for Armada. Um, and like as a reminder, if you're playing on Vassal or you're playing on Tabletop Simulator, please make sure you're also supporting um, the actual game Armada because if we don't you know, buy the actual ships and we just play it online, we're, if they don't get money for this game, if they don't get purchases for this game, they'll say, hey, you know what? Armada's not getting any, any buys. Mm -hmm. Stop selling it. We don't get any more Armada. So please make sure you're still buying the actual stuff um, when you are able. And then eventually we'll be able to play in person again with everyone, which will be great. But um, I I was in pods. So there's pods. So at the start, when we have 72 players this year, which is a huge amount. Last year, I guess they only had 32. But since this is the only actual major Armada event probably happening in 20, 2021, mm -hmm. and definitely... The only one happening since the last Vassal World Cup in 2020. Um, that's kind of how that's going to just roll here. Um, but I, but the pods are four person, and it's a round robin, so you have to play everyone else in the pod, and then they average out the scores. So I'm in Pod Sloan uh, with Valeno 111, 
Docta and Fox Omega 44. And I'm running my, actually I have it pulled up here. So I'm running um, my Dust Raid list, uh, Jerdrod, Kuat, um, just my standard Kuat build. Actually didn't change with 1.5, except for the points differences in leading shots and assault percussion missiles, which evened out. So it's still the exact same cost. My interdictor, I've actually dropped Brunson on, and I've put Captain Nita instead, just to save some points, and also because Nita is more effective against Onagers, which I was expecting to see. And did see, and we'll talk about that. My Raider, I dropped Ordnance Experts from, but otherwise it's still my, my favorite Corvus Iden external racks. And my Gazanti has Admiral Titus and comms that. Oh, I did actually drop electronic countermeasures on my Star Destroyer for uh, reinforced blastors, and then I have six generic TIE Fighters with the list. Um, so it's designed to, I have a Kuat and a Raider for if I'm first player, and I have an Interdictor to mess up with the table if, in case I get second player in my objectives. Um, my first game was against Valeno, um, 11, or 111, I thought there were three low, three ones there. Um, and he's an Italian. Yeah, Armando, who's from Rome, and I had a great time chat with him. We played a little earlier in the day, so he didn't have to stay up, you know, into the wee hours of the morning. And what was he flying? He was flying uh, our Rebel Agate, Commander Agate, Starhawk list. So Unity, Agate, Expert Shield Techs, Wedge Antilles Officer, which was interesting. And then mm. a couple I don't usually see on the Starhawk with Gunnery Teams and H9 Turbo Lasers. Um, gunnery Teams never came up. H9s definitely did. And I was very sad I didn't take a lot of counter countermeasures when that hit me. And then leading shots. Then you had two pretty actually spruced up uh, GR-75 medium transports. Bright Hope, Adar Talon, Bomber Command Center, Expanded Hangars, and then Quantum Storm Torn Far comms net with Lando, Dutch, three X-Wings, Biggs, and Jan. Um, yeah, pretty solid squadron ball. Yeah, it was a beefy squadron ball. I do not like fighting Biggs balls, and um, I made some decisions. We played my... Um, He'd never played, oh, what was it, Salvage Run before. So we played my Salvage Run, and I got all the tokens, and then he, I, I kind of looked at his squadron ball, and this really brilliant part of my brain looked down and saw his Biggs ball and thought, you have six uns, unsupported TIE Fighters. They can take that out. Um, <laughs> I thought that at round two. By the end of round two, I no longer had any TIE Fighters, and none of his squadrons were dead. Yeah. So that was a decision. And then I looked down again and said, okay, now that I have no squadron support to keep all those bombers off of me, my Kuat can definitely take on that egg at Starhawk. Um, that was also not the case. Oh. I did end up killing his both of his flotillas and a couple X-Wings. Uh, he took out all of my TIE Fighters and my Kuat. So we end, and with me getting all 80 of the points from SensorNet, it ended up being an 11-point MOV victory to him, so a 6-5. Mm -hmm. So it was, a, it was a good close game, had some good punches. Um, I think, like, looking back at it, uh, he played, played pretty solidly and kept a little bit. I had a little bit of positioning um, with my interdictor not being close enough, but I was also kind of a worried, like, that thing, that Starhawk has gunnery teams, and if it really decides my interdictor needs to go away and goes after it, the interdictor's going to go away. Did you guys have the same number of activations? Uh, no, he no. did get, uh, he got zero pass tokens, though, because he was first player. 
Oh. And so pass tokens, if you're a second player and they have more activations than you, you get an extra pass token for each active ship that you have that they don't, or that they have that you don't. For um, first player, it's the number of ships minus one. So if you have three ships as first player and they have four ships as second player, you don't get any first any uh, pass tokens. Okay. So my second game, um, and that also came up in my second game against Docta. So Docta was running a really nasty, like honestly, just mean, um, Admiral Mahdi list with a test bed onager, a uh, pretty standard build, uh, Orbital Bombardment, Particle Cannons, Intel Officer, Gunnery Chief, Farnillion, Veteran Gunner. So he had some rerolls, he had some die setting. Um, pretty straightforward. Um, Admiral Mahdi makes that ship very tough. I always forget that they're uh, 10 hull and not 9. So it makes it a 13 hull large ship that you have to, that can shoot you from across the table. Yeah. Uh, a Chirino Boosted Comms Gazanti, which I adore that build. Um, mm. Super fun. Admiral Chirino is great. Always has been um, a victory one with Ozel, uh, the officer Ozel, ordnance experts, link turbolaser towers, Harrow, and fighter coordination team, so he could move and then have his squadrons bump up. And he had uh, Jendon, Merrick, Mornaki, Mauler for his four aces, and then two VT 49 decimators. Yeah, just an absolutely gruesome squadron ball. And especially when he's using. Um, fighter coordination teams and moving that victory up and then bumping them further. So that one uh, he gave me first player because he looked down and saw an interdictor and was like, no, you don't get you don't get your you objectives. You don't get that. Which is probably smart because I do have some dust fields and he probably doesn't want to be spending for those. And uh, and I systematically like I sat him down and I put a bib around him and I spoon fed him my fleet. Um, I I tried to get smart with my interdictor placement being kind of far away, and then I realized it was too far away, and I put my kuat up. I did get my kuat into close range. Um, with he used the rift ambush. We had his rift ambush, and he he used the rift ambush to move my uh, my kuat up one. It made it made a speed one straight maneuver, and then I and then slowed it down to speed two from three because I was planning to just gun in there. And then I tokened it a, a squadron token, or no, a nav token, jumped it back up to speed three, landed in range of the gravity rift, which then in uh, rift ambush pushes you again after you move straight ahead one. So I actually, I essentially moved my Star Destroyer five on round one. Ugh. And then Wee. I got some, some decent, I, my dice rolled fine, but I didn't roll any accuracies. Like all of my accuracies came out in one shot from the interdictor on the same roll in the end of the game. And none of my other, like, like you were. my damage was there. Like, I was, my, my raider, when it came in and dropped X-Racks, rolled, like, nine. My Kuat rolled, like, eight or nine on its front arc shot. But I didn't have the accuracy, so these Mahdi ships are just like, okay, I'll brace that and redirect it and just soak all the damage. Yeah, it's really hard getting the damage to stick when you're not getting any accuracies. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so, yeah, my Kuat went in way too fast. I mean, focused that down with a bunch of fighters. And my, and my TIE fighters were way off, like... What are we supposed to do? And then too fast last time, and we all got shot. So this time we're going to hold back. And oh, look, the Star Destroyer's gone. Um, he killed all of my ties, and then he killed everything except for the Gazanti. So he got a very solid 400 and 0 win on me and just absolutely wiped me out. I uh, 
I didn't take it super well. Um, but not in the greatest mood after that. But I stuck through. And then on Sunday, I played against Fox Omega. Third and final game. Third and final game, who was running an Ozzel list. So we got the Battle of the um, Maneuver Commanders in the Imperial side. And he had a Imperial 2 Star Destroyer uh, holding Ozzel with Chimera and Commander Vanto. Um, which I think is a Commander Vanto is a great option for Chimera just to be able to say, I need this troop token for sure this turn. Um, local fire control, so you had Salvo instead of Contain. Electronic countermeasures. I mean, still a good, oh, yeah. still a great defensive card, even if you have to refresh it with tokens now. Linked turbo laser towers, also great. SW sevens and entrapment formation, which immediately got turned into intensify firepower. Uh, he had a raider one with Corvus, Hondo, and external racks. Uh, we had a Nita with Architent on an Architent light cruiser with turbo laser reroute circuits, which Nita TRC mm -hmm. is a pretty classic build. Uh, Glad two with Demolisher, Callus, Ordnance Experts, and External Racks. So actually an anti-squad-focused Demolisher, but still with X-Racks and Ord Experts, so perfectly capable of just dropping a bunch of dice on the ship. Mauler of Mithel and one TIE Fighter. We rolled off, and I actually won the roll and chose second. And um, Fox chose my Advanced Gunnery. So I had a Kuat that could shoot the same target twice out of its front arc, so much fun. And he had an ISD-2 that could shoot two different targets out of its front arc. Um, which is... Ba so, like, the ISD-2 basically had slightly better gunnery teams since it can shoot two different hull zones. But we moved in. He kind of kept it slow. He started at speed one with everything and kind of moved in slow. I was moving in at kind of at pace. I had my... Um, Corvus way off on one side. I had way more squadrons, so I out-deployed deployed him pretty heavily. Like, on top of having a full extra deployment, or two full extra deployments with my squadrons, um, plus being second player, I got to put my Interdictor and my Kuat down after his whole fleet had been deployed, which is a big advantage to me. Um, but he got his Architens a little close early on, and I popped it uh, with... I hit it with four of my ties... And three of them got a, got a hit. So a little high on the, the TIE Fighter strafing yeah. run, which was pretty good. Um, and then the Kuat double-tapped it and rammed it and took it out. And then we swung around. His raider came in um, and got in close. Uh, I got his raider in behind his demolisher to kind of force his hand on activations. Um, he, he rightly was like, you know what? Demolisher can survive that uh, and tried to go with his raider. The unfortunate thing is Ozzel, despite being able to drastically increase speed, does not increase maneuverability without navigating. No. So he wasn't able to get the turning he needed to get his raider out of a double arc from my interdictor. He did drop a really nice shot with that raider with his X-Rax into the side of my Kuat. Um, it would have been really brutal. He even had an accuracy for the brace if I hadn't had um, targeting scramblers to because I think it was like 7 or 8 damage, but I targeting Scramblers did down to 5. Um, so he traded in there, I dropped a bunch of shot into the back of his Demolisher, and then put my Raider in to block his Demolisher from moving into my Kuat, which had been brawling with his ISD and been trading shots a bit. Um, and he just got uh, pummeled by the Raider, but 
I was able to get a, a front-to-front double, a, like advanced gunnery double shot on his ISD-2 with my Kuat after stripping ECMs. I only rolled an accuracy on one of the shots, but I still, like, assault concussion missiles and just, like, Kuat rolling 7-9 damage. Uh, just pummeled that thing down. And then was able to navigate around the side of it and get out of his front arc, leaving him in the double arc of my interdictor as that came in. Nice old double arc. Mm-hmm. He activated his uh, his ISD two first, and put shots into the Kua to try to finish it off. I I popped reinforced blast doors, so I only had seven hull left, but I still had brace, an uh, expert shield text to redirect, and then targeting scramblers from the the interdictor. So he didn't quite get what he needed there. Um. The Kuat activated double tapped Demolisher in the rear arc. And even through an uh, an asteroid, it was just way too much for the Demolisher to take after getting shot in the rear arc from the Raider. And then the Interdictor finished off his his uh, his Mahdi flagship. So um before all this, when when uh sorry, when Fox and Docta played, Fox beat Docta 10 1. Docta beat me 10 1. And then I beat Fox 10-1. So we made this little, like, triangle... Oh, happy circle. Ha- happy triangle <laughs> of absolute pummelings. <laughs> and our standings are completely up in the air. We are currently waiting on Valino and Fox Omega to play. Um, if Valino gets an 8 or higher win, he and Docta will be going. Because Docta has 19 tournament points after 8-3-ing Valeno, and I lost to Valeno 6-5. So, I'm currently done with 16. Fox Omega has 11. Valeno has 9. Um, So, if Fox Omega wins this game with Valeno, Fox Omega and Doctor will be going on to the Swiss round. If Valeno wins by a 6 or a 5, I'll go in because I'll have a higher margin of victory. Four more points. If Elena wins by eight, then he'll go in. So we have this like crazy bracket um, <laughs> of like who's going in next. So I'm really excited. They'll be playing at that on Wednesday morning. And then all pods need to be done by next Wednesday. Uh, so we will see then. So, but I've had a, I've had a great game and big shout out to um, Armando and Paul and I want to say Matt, Doctor, if you need to correct me, I'm sorry. Um, I uh, had a great game with all of you guys. Even if there were a couple things that I did wrong, like, you know, spoon feeding a test bed my entire fleet or like suddenly turning on my like super sane brain mode against uh, Fox and just being like, I'm going to play the best game I've played in like two years. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so look up the Vassal World Cup. That's being hosted by Biggs on uh, Steel Strategy. So all the information is over there. There's some other shenanigans going on. I know, uh, Geek19 and Rasproteus um, are in the same pod and a couple others that we've communed with before. So, yeah, I think that's all for now. Looking forward to looking forward to Wave 10, looking forward to some more Vassal games. Oh, yeah. um, I have also been, and I'll, I'll do a quick shout out to the folks on uh, Crybox Discord who've been learning Vassal and starting to get a little community for Vassal going on there. Maybe next year we'll get you guys into the World Cup. Yeah. So. It's nice to see that the the game is still getting 
you know, interest, mm -hmm. even though we can't play in stores right now. Yeah, and I think it's a huge bummer that Wave 9 released, and Wave 10 is going to release, and we're not going to be able to play it in stores the way we want to. Mm -hmm. It's not going to get the full, like, if, I mean, because when Wave, if Wave, without COVID, with Wave 9 released, we we would have had multiple store events. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, Ian would have run something, I would have run something. We'd have been having a bunch of stuff going on with that. For um, great little, you know, test beds for strategy making. Yeah, or just trying stuff out, being like, hey, I want to play with my new shiny toys, uh, which we've been able to, but a lot of people uh, just haven't, and I think it's fortunate that we have, you know, Tabletop Simulator and Bassett to be able to play right now and to be able to teach people the game and get them into it when they mm -hmm. don't really otherwise have a chance. Um, I mean, I know some people are able to play with, like, siblings or other family members. Um, some people have, like, roommates they can play with, but some folks are like, hey, I got into this game and I uh, have nobody to play it with. I don't really know how it works, and I think it's been a, a good tool for me to at least help out some of those folks, and I've been um, appreciative of those of you who have joined me so yeah thank you guys all for listening i'm senator faith and i'm moff Ted. may the force be with you